Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by TC Tofts from TC Tuggers. It's the only shirt that's got a little knob on the front, so you can just pull it out when it gets trapped on your belly. <laughs> it's not a joke, though. It's not a joke. It's not like a Snuggie. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I am joined today by the collective Mark Madsen to my Shaquille O'Neal, Zach Burnham, Dan Lyons, Jason Lamprecht, and Chase Baker, the whole crew. What's going on, boys? Oh, man. Layoffs, baby. <laughs> Let's go. And awards. Playoffs <laughs> and awards, <laughs> most of which have been given out already. Uh, Our awards preview. <laughs> yes. The pre-benchies. For what it's worth, I think we all submitted it before the awards came out. So That's true. We're good. I was on top of it. We can see which ones we got correct and which ones we did not. I know most of what most of them I did not get correct, unfortunately. We can see which one of us turned in our assignments in college on time. There was a, there was a voter turnout issue and some some undervotes and some under some overvotes. But it's voter right. turnout. <laughs> we really need a better grassroots campaign to increase turnout next time amongst uh, folks. I just love. But it doesn't matter what the demographic is or your population size. Voter turnout is an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So good. All right. Well, on today's episode, we are running through our collective regular season award ballots, diving into some storylines from the playoffs thus far. And then finally, we will wrap up with Zach's mud pie moment of the week. Okay, so let's. Let's get into our regular season awards. I'm going to kick it over to Jason, who's going to walk us through a discussion around kind of where we landed with our uh, our collective ballots. Take it away, J Dog. All right, yeah this uh, this the timing of planning this episode worked out really well since we're obviously announcing our awards in the middle of the uh, announced the leak drip 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 of the actual awards. I like to think of our awards like uh, whose line is it anyway, where, you know, it's all made up and the points don't matter. Uh, but I do think, uh, I think we did a great job, actually. Let's start with, uh, let's start with, eh, start with MVP. Uh, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of intrigue there. We actually had the top four was the same on every ballot that actually filled out a top five. That's a that's a shot at Jamie Taco, aka Dan Lyons over there. <laughs> <laughs> what did he give you? Like his top three and a half or something? Just no, I gave, he just gave me one I just for, gave every, one <laughs> for every category. Classic Dan. Yeah. Dirty Dan, the magic man. Dirty Dan. Parentheses Orlando Magic Man. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully as uh, as a uh, foreshadowing for real life, the moment has finally come. Joel Embiid, most valuable player. Let's go. The inception that started back in like December on this podcast, it actually worked. It's the argument set in. Joel. No, Jay, that was my own vote. No one influenced me in the deepest annals of my brain. Wait, you could cut. Sorry, Annals? (laughs) Annals? Yeah, top five. Um, was somewhat unanimous. Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, Tatum, and then a lot of people had different ones. Uh, Mitchell got a vote. SGA got two votes, so I think SGA gets the fifth spot. 
Yeah, I know. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can guess who uh, gave Shay the what? two bits. Collusion. Wait. Collusion. <laughs> Collusion. Guys, we're going to need some third party, like, uh, independent committee to, re- to review yeah. all of this. The lack Definitely. of timing, voting. <clears throat> Maybe the Supreme Court. I will say, on a serious note, I know that Joel got hurt, so I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack, but if he does win, and I do think he will, seems like the momentum is going his way. This is the year, I think, when the, the clock officially starts, when the uh, criticism starts to ramp up, especially if the Sixers don't win their next round. They obviously beat the Nets, but uh, I wouldn't say, I mean, I know they swept them, but I personally was not overly impressed by what I saw from the Sixers so far, especially offensively. So I I will be stoked for him if he wins, but I do hope that he uh, turns it on next round and that he comes back healthy. I'm glad he got it just so as a show of his greatness in the history books. Uh, I was very close. In fact, when I first emailed or Chase got emailing in my head, when I first sent my letter, <laughs> when I first sent a text to Jason um, with my votes, I had Giannis first. But as I kept comparing it over the next, like, I was probably just like a day and looking through all the stats and stuff. The only thing I could really come back to for Giannis was, oh, he's the best player on the best team. And there was also this, like, thing where the Bucks without Giannis are very average. And they're, they were by far the best team with him. Whereas the Sixers were about the same with Joel as they were without him. Um, but outside of those things, like, if you look at any, any, metric for who was the best player this year it was joel and i I couldn't argue it anymore as much as i tried so i think it's a pretty special season to lead uh, the league in scoring and then also end up sixth in stocks steals and blocks he didn't get defensive player of the year votes from any of us but he was still very 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 good defensively and uh you know, I was I was trying to make sure I was being objective between Yoel Joel and Yoel Childs. The Dutchness is just it, it's just you're spraying it all over at us between 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 Joel and Yadis. And um, it look if you looked at actually just kind of net rating and and uh, and other things, the Sixers were actually like pretty pretty close or even better than the Bucks in a lot of ways, and so records play out how they play out but yeah finally deserved thank you everyone for going along with it which is kind of crazy because we all had uh, you know way different ballots at midseason and that uh, just shows the whole season matters um good for good for the nba for 82 games to matter um okay uh defensive player of the year uh this one was somewhat hotly contested a lot of different first place votes um but the winner is jaron jackson jr he got three first place votes, including Chase, I think, from what I can see. Other guys that got first place votes, um, Mobley got two, Brooke Lopez got one. Other guys that got uh, high votes, uh, Anthony Davis got a second place vote from yours truly. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I wonder who, who gave him that. From me. <laughs> um, the top five uh, in voting totals, JJJ. Brooke Lopez, Evan Mobley, uh, Giannis, Anthony Davis. Anybody got stuff to say? I mean, on, on, on AD, I will say, I, 
to me, it was mostly a health thing. Um, it was interesting because he actually, I think he played more minutes than Triple J, which is interesting. He didn't play as many games, but he had, I think, like two or 300 more minutes than him. So I, I say that as kind of an aside. I will say, watching the playoffs up to this point, I think there's a case to be made that Anthony Davis might be the most impactful defensive player in the entire league. He has been incredible on defense these first three games. I'm hoping that he can keep that going. Again, my thing with him is always just health, and I think that's kind of been the story of uh, of the last few years for him. It's unfortunate. Yeah, among qualifying players, he was third in defensive uh, field goal percentage, so uh, field goal percentage differential between when you're guarding someone versus someone else is guarding somebody uh, or contesting a shot. Also third if, uh, among qualifying players in, in steals plus blocks. Um, he had a great season when he played. I was the one person who put uh, Brooke Lopez first. Um, I, I kind of like think of myself more as like, it's just this season. This season is what matters. Look at it like this. But I found myself specifically with this award looking at sort of narrative. And it, this was an opportunity to reward Brooke Lopez, who's much later in his career and who has done this for multiple seasons and gotten better and better and better. Uh, whereas Jaron Jackson Jr. will have the opportunity to win more uh, down the line. Uh, and that played a role. But as I was comparing the stats, uh, minutes played uh, played a big part in my choice to choose Brooke Lopez. Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, is... I mean, Anthony Davis has an argument, too, but uh, JJJ is the most impactful defensive player in the league, I think, when he's able to be on the court. But... Uh, Brooke Lopez played like 800 minutes more than he did. Like, it was crazy. And I also looked at, like, on-off uh, for Jaron Jackson and Brooke Lopez, and they were about the same. Uh, I was actually surprised that Brooke Lopez's uh, net rating was so high when there's still players like Giannis and Drew on the court when he's off. And he still makes this huge uh, difference for their defense when he's in because he's a leader. More than just getting blocks and steals, he, he directs that defense. So... I had to give him his opportunity to win this. For me, it, I I picked JJJ over Brooke. And I look at it from the perspective of just zooming in on a couple of key numbers, just a couple of them. Like we look at stats and especially for stats like rebounds or steals specifically, it's like, oh, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez averaged half a steal per game this season. Uh, JJJ averaged one. And on paper, it's like that's only, you know, a difference of a half a steal. But like if you look at it from a percentage perspective, like JJJ had double the amount of steals that Brooke Lopez had and about 30% more blocks as well and had, uh, uh, a, a, in my opinion, quite a bit higher of a plus minus. And that combined with the fact that uh, it looked a little bit more, obviously Brooke Lopez, you know, you can't, it's tough to compare, uh, styles where brooks like a little i mean it's crazy he can still shoot the three but it feels like jjj's defensive style is like a lot more quick he's obviously younger right jjj is just like all over all over the place on defense just hounding everybody all the time where brooke brooke lopez feels a little bit more stationary and so i wanted to reward jjj for being ahead that much further ahead in some of those key categories than brooke and just being physically such a menace on defense um, where it just felt like folks couldn't escape him. I will, uh, I'll throw out here that only two non-centers or two non-bigs got uh, votes. 
um, Jason Tatum got a vote, I think a fifth place vote, and Alex Caruso got a fifth place vote. The Bulls were top five. From who? From who? <laughs> you would. The Bulls were top five in defense, and he, his just defensive metrics and stuff were off the charts for a guard. So, giving it to him. He's definitely going to be. He's going to be on the all defensive team for, for sure. sure. The second team probably, but there's a there's a case. I put Tatum on. I, I that was just a nod to Boston's defense because they were top five defense this year. I had Mobley as my defensive player of the year. I think. To me, it was a toss up. Like Zach, I totally get the the uh, the Brook rationale. My my struggle with Brook was, I don't, I think he's like the third best defensive player on his own team, which is again like the the stats don't necessarily say that. But when I look at very good point, he's playing alongside Giannis and Drew. I mean, that's pretty much as good of a you know a, a duo that you can play alongside defensively as as it gets in the NBA. I put Mobley because the Cavs were number one on defense this year. He was number one in defensive win shares. He played 79 games. So he definitely played way more minutes than Triple J. And I mean, my my case for him is not even, I mean, I, setting the stats aside, my thing with him is I just, I'm not sure there is a better defensive player in the NBA when it comes to being able to switch on basically onto any position. His versatility as defensive player is I think unmatched. And when he puts some pounds on, I think he's going to be um, even more of a, a force to reckon with. So I'm excited to see him develop over the coming years. We are seeing that in the Knicks series that he's, he needs a little bulk um, uh, yep. to be a better rebounder, keep guys off the offensive boards. Yeah, he needs to be beefy. So let's, uh, let's move on to the most hotly contested award, rookie of the year. Just kidding. Um, we unanimously voted for Walker Kessler. No, just kidding. Uh, just kidding again. <laughs> this was, I, I like didn't even do the points calculations because it was just so obvious. Um, the top three, Paolo, Jalen Williams, Walker Kessler. Anybody got uh, got beats with that? <laughs> just no. keep it moving. <laughs> I did put Walker Kessler as my you number put, two, though. You did put, you're the only one that put him above. Jaylen. He's my second place vote. Dan might have had he filled out a top five. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> we'll never know. Who could say? I don't even know. <laughs> Who could say? Um, but let's, let's keep it moving. Um, unless anyone has wants to to wax. I just have one one Carol. question. Five years from now, would you rather have Jalen Williams or Walker Kessler? I'm going. <laughs> that's a really hard question. I'm going Williams just because <laughs> I. That's like, don't you dare make me answer that question. <laughs> I want a wing more than a big. Yeah, I mean, I am very biased on this question, but I would go Jalen Williams as well. I just think, yeah, I think what he brings to the table is a little bit harder to find than. I mean, Walker Kessler looks like he's elite, elite from like a shot blocking perspective, but I do think that you can replicate most of what he does with other players in the league. I don't think that you'll be able to do the same thing with Jalen, hopefully, fingers crossed. So maybe to my Jazz fans, and we, we need to keep this short, but what do you see as Kessler's ceiling? Because he's already really good, and obviously he'll get a little bit better. But do you see him actually developing like a, a secondary or a tertiary type uh, scorer on a good team t- uh, skill set, or is he just going to be a defensive player? So he's high floor like Rudy was or whatever, but I, like, actually, I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head already as far as high floor. 
I, I don't know how much better he can get like at this season, unless he just like lock, even if he locks himself in the gym for a thousand hours this summer, like if Walker Kessler comes out and is like, yeah, guys, I can run the offense out of the high post. It's like, mm, if that's your answer, we maybe need to ask a different question. Um, and so in, in terms of obviously what he brings to the table is, is incredible, but I don't see him making any big improvements, just marginal improvements. I don't know. What do you think, Chase? I agree. I think he he just came right out of the gate, just like ready to go. And so folks were like, holy crap, who's it? But it's like he would have to really level up and really develop a different offensive game to like actually level up. So same sentiment, very high ceiling. I'm trying to think of a good comp. Um, it's tough to think about. I feel like right now he's essentially, uh, oh gosh. Is he Rudy with better hands? <laughs> he's he's already is that crazy for me to say like i yeah, think he might be yeah all like all, like already like already um he's already that way but i would also say he's sort of like like a like a zubots like he's probably close to there in like a season or two like very reliable uh but like i would say a better defensive zubots i will say walker kessler shot threes in college so i mean Pretty much everyone does. He's got but, touch, man. He's yeah. got a good looking shot too. I mean, I think he can get there for sure. And he's got great instincts. He's not like, going to be taking guys off the dribble, but he's. I think he can be like a catch and shoot guy. Okay. Yeah. So next award, coach of the year. Uh, our winner got four out of five first place votes, and that man is Mike Brown. The top five in points were Mike Brown, Bickerstaff, Taylor Jenkins, Mark Dagno. What? And Dignalt. Dignalt, uh, and Jacques Vaughn because he got one fourth place vote from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jacques Vaughn, leader of men. Man, you are so me. loyal to your taste. I love it. Um, <laughs> I will beard. say, uh, uh, I didn't tabulate chases uh, into it so that order might be different. Um, but anybody want to guess who the one uh, first place vote was that, that uh, Mike Brown didn't get? Not not who voted, but who I voted for. Who wasn't Mike Brown? <laughs> I was going to say I know who it came Darvin from. Ham. <laughs> I'm going to no, not Darvin Ham. Doc Rivers, not Doc Rivers. Glenn Taylor Jenkins. I voted Mike Brown. My my number one. Taylor so Jenkins. Not me. Okay. Hey, yep, yep, yep. Taylor Jenkins. I can I can respect that. Current playoff opponent Taylor Jenkins. Uh, uh, just to throw it out there, um, the Grizzlies were fourth. Uh, among non-tanking teams and games missed to injury. Um, like, apart from the jaw stuff and the weird sideshow stuff that could have derailed them, um, they just, all their guys missed a ton of time. Clark missed a ton of time. Bain missed a ton of time. JJJ missed a ton of time, all compared to last season. Um, and they they only lost six wins off their total. They're still a 50-win team. Um, and they also, in the offseason, lost... Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson replaced them with David Roddy and Santi Aldama. Um, Jenk is just out here like low-key doing Greg Popovich stuff of just like plug and play, keeping the machine going no matter who's playing. So, and, and he was second last year. So it's sort of a combination of the maybe should have won it last year, would have deserved it last year, um, throwing it out there. So um, six man, uh, not a lot of drama here. Manuel quickly uh, is the winner. He got two, no, three, no, two first place votes. This is the one that Chase might have swung the most, almost, uh, 
but he but not enough. Um, Brogdon got second, uh, Norm Powell third, Monk Malik Monk fourth, and Cole Anthony fifth. Um, uh, again, not tabulating. Cole Anthony got fifth without Dan. Uh, voting more than one spot. <laughs> <laughs> I actually gave him the third place vote. Um, Dan, we might have had, we might have pushed him a little higher. So close. Just... If I had read the rules, I will say, had I known Zach was going <laughs> to vote Austin Reeves third, um, if we, if I had known we were like running that campaign, we could have could have gotten him in the top five, but I screwed up. He was my third place vote. He was the Lakers' like only truly consistent player all year. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, no, I think he got in the top five with Chase. I didn't realize Chase voted for him, too. Yeah, Austin. All right. All right. Any thoughts, anybody? Brogdon, <laughs> uh, quickly. I that was I had Brogdon first and quickly second. Nice. Uh, just, uh, you know, just in terms of uh, Brogdon's uh, contribution to getting the Celtics, you know, uh, such a good season, just the impact there. Um, he, was, he was really key. Very, 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 very solid. Um, to get him ahead in the East. I think he might have won if I had given him a second place vote instead of a fourth place vote. So I think he might have He's angry. I know somewhere he's very, very mad. <laughs> All right. Quickly had yeah. a great second half of the season. And the way he played like definitely impacted how good the Knicks got in that second half. Uh, Brogdon, when you look at the totality of like the stats and just the composure he brought to the team, um, I had to give it to him. He was... He scored close to as much as Quickly did, but he was much more efficient. The advanced stats, except win shares, actually went to Quickly, but all the other ones went to Brogdon. Uh, so I just had to give it to him. Who I really wanted to give it to, but he started too many games, was Derek White, who might actually be the best sixth man slash fifth starter in the league right now. Best hairline in the league too, right, Zach? <laughs> it's, it's so funny, man. <laughs> He's, he's a guy like you put the baby filter on his face from Snapchat and he just looks the same. <laughs> it's exactly the same. There's no there's no difference whatsoever. It's the massive forehead. I don't know. I don't know. It's the massive forehead um, of he's got unbearable talent. talent. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It all goes full circle, baby. Oh my gosh, that's the best nickname. All right. Of all time. I will I will add to the Brogdon thing to back up my vote. Uh Malcolm Brogdon was top ten in offensive rating. Uh, and in asset uh, assists to turnover ratio, just came in and was just very, very solid, did his job, didn't drop the ball. All right, most improved. The Jazz fans won over the Thunder fans here. Uh, Lowry Markinen is our most improved player for Bench Reactions podcast. Top five, Lowry, SGA, Brunson, Austin Reeves, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, like it. Has the NBA already announced this award? Don't think so, right? Yeah, I don't think I so. I don't think so. I don't no, think so. Not yet. I'll say I do think that Markinen is going to win, but I'll tell you why I chose Shea. This, this one was really tough, actually, for me to to, to decide because I think that Markinen made a bigger step. He jumped from being, you know, hopefully a role player to like a legitimate all star, all NBA caliber guy. But I think the step from borderline all-star to superstar is harder. Uh, That's a great point. Very few guys get into that superstar bracket, and I think Shea is absolutely in that superstar bracket. In fact, I think he might be first-team All-NBA this year. So that's why I gave it to Shea, basically. 
when their seasons and their development kind of both were just fantastic and either one is deserving of the award. Clutch player, De'Aaron Fox. He he got, I think, four out of five or, you know, maybe, I think he might have been unanimous uh, 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 first place votes for De'Aaron Fox. Um, rest but of the who top was five, second? Uh, second place was a tie between SGA and Jimmy Butler. Actually, with Chase's votes, SGA is second. The rest of the top five, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Joel Embiid. No, I, uh, Chase's votes pushed Joel out and pushed Luka Doncic in. Um, good vote, Chase. Well played. That's gonna be that's a fun award, and it's and honestly, De'Aaron Fox is proving that he deserves it. Still in the playoffs, killing it. I bet, he gets, I bet he gets unanimous. Beam. If they actually get one, it's gonna be unanimous. His clutch okay. play is unbelievable. Yeah. Like I can't even yeah. like all of a sudden he becomes like this amazing shooter. He hits these like twenty foot shots, which is like the worst shot in basketball, and he hits it every time. And you're like, what happens when it goes into the fourth quarter that you just become this elite shooter? I don't get it. <laughs> And he was the dude that was the exact opposite last year. He was the guy where every single game he would blow it down the stretch. And that's what caused the Kings to lose as many, a lot of the games that they lost that were winnable. So for him to go from that to what he is now is just bonkers. It really is. It hurts me to say, but it really is like vaguely 2002 Mike Bibby when I watch where I'm just like, weirdly, I feel like he's going to make it every time. And it he almost does. It's wild. Um, all right, let's so let's, let's get back. Let's get to the last thing, which is All NBA. Um, there's some fun stuff happening with All NBA with this group, um, and me some 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 weirdly non coordinated shenanigans um, by myself and Zach Burnham uh, ended up really working out uh, for a certain guy. So, uh, first team: Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Giannis, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Luka Doncic barely, barely edging out Donovan Mitchell because of Dan's spite in putting Donovan Mitchell on third team when everyone else had him one and two. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> third team? Third team. Third oh, my. Dude, he Get put, out of here. He put Don in timeout, man. Like, you leave that- Utah Don? <laughs> yeah, right. I'll show you. I will say that all NBA calculations were too complicated to... Uh, put Chase's votes in last minute. So Chase's votes <laughs> might have swung it, but this is what we got at this point. <laughs> um, second team. Uh, second team is Jokic, DeMontis Sabonis at forward, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, and Ja Morant. Um, because, again, another uh, me and Zach uh, uh, non-collusion to get Ja Morant on there. Um, third team, third team was swung by a last minute, uh, pick a number game between myself and Dan and Chase. Um, (laughs) and the results were Anthony Davis at center. Um, uh, let's see, Jalen Brown at forward, Lowry Markinen at forward, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. Larry, Larry Markin. So LeBron did not make an all NBA team wow. because of the last minute pick a game or pick a number game between LeBron James and Larry Markin and Larry Markin and wins. I was trying to be, I was trying to make Dan be the reason Larry didn't make it. 
and yet <laughs> and and it didn't work out for me he picked the right number good for him i had damon steph on my third team with lebron as a forward it's a shame it didn't make it for everybody else I actually, yeah there's a lot of difference going on here i actually don't think that would have swung it um because lowry got a second team vote from chase mm. um that would have edged lebron out but yeah the shenanigans was me and zach putting Demonis sabonis as forward on our second team which, <laughs> which, at allowing for anthony davis to be our center on our third team let's go let's go which uh <laughs> which uh center on the kings did uh sabonis play next to during the season just curious Chimiz- 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 i don't have any issue with ad Chimiz- i'm like is it met to like six seven He's the center. He's listed as a center. I don't know. He's a cent- he's center. So, no, I just, you, you bring up a really good point, though. In the middle of the bench. Because, like, Zach Lowe, he's, like, adamant. Like, the guy doesn't matter what they're listed as by the NBA because both Anthony Davis and uh, Demonis Sabonis are listed as that forward center. And technically, you can vote for any big in the forward and what and all that dumb stuff. But, you know, he's very adamant. Like, you, it's whatever position you played a significant amount of time at if you played at both great i'll count you as both but like sabonis he played 99 percent or 100 percent of his minutes at center ad as well maybe he played a couple minutes next to thomas bryant <laughs> even though that was very nominal feel, he's still the feel thomas bryant there's some wenyan gabriel there's some wenyan gabriel happening who's also smaller than ad <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so what it came down to is makes sense. The 10 guys on my first two teams were the only people like I knew those 10 guys had to be in there. And then the third team was just like a fist fight between like, how do I count the guys who have played less minutes, less games, their superstardom. Like you could very easily have just been like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, all these guys who played like 55 games, but were incredible in those 55 games or whatever for like 47 for Katie. But I wanted to reward guys who were actually there and played. Uh, but when you just look through those stats, it's just so hard to keep Anthony Davis off in favor of. And then it would have required me to put uh, Julius Randle or Jalen Brown up as a forward on the second team. And I did not think that they deserved it, you know. So I was like, Sabonis needs to be second team. That's how I justified it. I didn't like yeah. it when I did it, but I did it. And then, it be- and then it became like, oh, who gets the third-team center now? And it was Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson. Those are like the candidates. And AD, even though he played less time than most of those guys, or than at least Bam, he-, he was just so good when he played that I I couldn't keep him off. Yeah, my thing was, uh, was we're going to position this under the new CBA anyway, and AD is listed as, or Sabonis is listed as someone you could vote for as a forward. So um, let's just have the best players make all NBA. That was my thing. And that stretch of of playing without LeBron post trade deadline and still keeping them at a fifty win pace um, and just dominating his way to do it. He's just one of the most important players in the NBA this season. Um, uh, that's all I can say. I do just want to point out, uh, give myself some credit here. I had Steph on my second team. Aren't you guys so proud of me? Hey, I also I, I, I did. I didn't put <laughs> Steph on any of my teams. I didn't put him on either. <laughs> I didn't have Jaw on any of my teams. I just think like, oh, why? Yeah, I want to know why. I, I just statistically, it's a no brainer, right? Like there, there's no argument when you look at the the stats. My thing was, I didn't 
want to reward a guy for being a gigantic distraction for his team for a big portion of the season. The Grizzlies, I don't think they weren't impacted negatively by it, but that doesn't that says more about the team and about Taylor Jenkins than it does about sort of Jaws' absence. I would rather reward the guys who are, you know, who are not going to cause the sort of extra drama. And I also just wanted to get Jalen Brunson on one of my teams, <laughs> so he's on, he's on my. Oh, third you team. got Jalen Brunson in. I had wow. him there too, but he didn't make it. Wow! Holy I like, cow! I'm I surprised. love, I love Jalen Brunson. I just didn't think he was a top fifteen guy. And then Pat, you and you and I were actually in lockstep about Steph. I have him on my second team as well, and basically in lockstep about Jaw. So I don't, I didn't have him on it. And honestly, when I was looking, when I was looking at it, I was like. I have Dame second, and I have Donovan third team. Um, and just thinking about it, I was like, would I rather have Dame or would I rather have Donovan? Um, like, really, just just like thinking about it, kind of setting stats aside, I think Dame played less games but had, you know, higher, you know, per 36 and uh, the higher points per game and, and sort of all that. But I don't know. I, I think, and maybe it's just preference, maybe it is a little bit of bitterness. Who can say? But I just, I, I, I had to give... <laughs> I had to give Dame that that second team and Donovan third. Looking back, I it may have been just because at the time Jaw was like you know out not playing when we were kind of coming up with this stuff because I had Dame. You know, I mentioned earlier I had Dame and Steph on my third team. Looking back now, I kind of wish I would have put in Jaw for Dame on third team. I know Dame was cooking, but um, I will lean on the side of the numbers with. Uh, with uh, with Jaw there, I think if I could redo that now, I would have him on my third team. You know, distractions uh, in consideration as well, just because he played well. And I feel like it almost feels like I'm going to give every young star kind of like one big strike, you know, especially like any of these dudes that come from rags to riches circumstances. Like they're just going to do dumb stuff. How stupid were we all in college? Maybe not as dumb as dangling a firearm on Instagram live, but, um, you know, like people just do dumb, dumb stuff. And it's, it's, you know, pending any other, uh, PR nonsense. It seems like, you know, that's, that's a closed chapter more or less, at least to the public eye. I would have put jaw on my third team instead of, instead of, uh, Except Dame. So three people didn't have John any team. Wow, I'm I'm surprised because he played a lot of games for the second best team in the West, and win shares and all the advanced stats put him up there in the top fifteen, top ten players actually. So I'm very surprised well, that that is, affected you guys as much. It's interesting. That's cool. He is uh, he he's out here showing you that he deserved it. Like, oh yeah, he's out for blood. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying yeah. he's undeserving. From yeah. a play standpoint, yeah. it's a yeah. no-brainer. Yeah. That fourth just, quarter last cool, night, man. Woo! Jay, I bet you were a little nervous <laughs> there for a second. They're like, you're like, what's going on? What? Wait, what's going that on? That was terrifying. You it scored made like me 25 so straight points. Made me so yeah. nervous. We needed every bit of that first quarter lead to hold on. It's crazy. So, did anyone else have De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, in their, I had third team on their teams. I had yeah, De'Aaron Fox third. Second team, Adam. Second. Second team. Wait, it's hard. Wait, man. Zach, it's you so had him hard. on. Yeah, he was on my third team. Well, I think Chase Dominion voting. Chase's Dominion vote voting. Him on, but <laughs> it's too late now. It's too the late. Machines. <laughs> nope. Voting closed. Voting closed. I was too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. It was tough. I like. I wanted to have him on so badly. I just thought the Kings and he deserved it. And so, like, there were so many guards 
that were totally worthy. Jalen Brunson, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, to name just a few. And for some of those guys like Damon Steph, it's like, man, they have like all the history of being incredible. And they both played out of their minds when they played this year, but they played a lot less than Fox. And then, it, so I was like, I'm going to put Fox on, I'm putting him on. And then it came down to all these other guards, uh, including Damon Steph. And I was like, man, Damon Steph's numbers were like almost identical. But the thing that actually flipped it for me was even though the trailblazers were way worse than the warriors, Dame had higher win shares and like win shares are actually based on the total number of wins of your, on your team. So if you have higher win shares than someone and your team is worse, that just shows like how incredibly valuable you are. So, and also probably a little bit of bias got in play there. And I chose Dame over Steph for that third team. Can't blame you. Unconscious bias, conscious bias. It plays a role for sure for all of us. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our next segment. We want to talk a little bit about the playoffs up to this point. We've hinted at some different things that have been uh, been going on. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna run through some playoff storylines for the sake of time. I think we'll probably just do one for each of these categories that we came to the pod with today. So I'm gonna go ahead and get us kicked off. So the first category that we have is biggest standout storyline and I'll, i'm gonna go ahead and give my uh, my biggest standout and i i think to for me personally this feels like a no-brainer to me the biggest standout storyline up to this point is injuries and <laughs> i don't think there's i mean look like you can look at individual series and i'm sure there's a case to be made about other things going on it's either injuries or uh nut shots uh, or a combination of both. The number of shots to the groin area has been nu- has been nuts. Uh, hey. <laughs> wow, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, well done. No, so on a serious note, I mean, the, just the sheer amount of injuries that have taken place up to this point. So I'm going to list off a, a couple. You've got Kawhi that went absolutely supernova in the first two games that he played. Went down with some mysterious knee injury it's pretty unclear when he's actually going to come back. Uh, the Clippers obviously should be terrified about that. They're down, what, 3-1 now, despite Russ uh, giving his best effort to keep them afloat and the rest of the team kind of, you know, uh, playing well, I would say, overall. PG went down before the playoffs even started. Um, you've got Joel Embiid now, who went down with some sort of injury. I think it's a, I think it's a knee sprain, right, is what they said. And Doc Rivers came out yesterday. I should note that we're recording this on Sunday, April 23rd. So there may be some stuff that comes out after this, but Joel's down now. It's unclear when he's going to be back. You've got Giannis that went down the back injury in like the first six minutes of game one and has not come back. And Milwaukee's down two to one. Victor Oladipo went down. Um, It looked pretty nasty when it happened. I was watching it real time. It's really, really sad thoughts and prayers his way. But overall to me, it's, I, I, I hate that this is happening because I don't want the outcome of the playoffs to be sort of dictated by injuries. I guess it's inevitable. It, it happens every year, but it just, maybe this is recency bias for me. I can't remember a year where this number of stars have gone down in a number or in a matter of a few days. And I just want, I want everyone to be able to play at a, at full strength to see who is the actual best team in the league. Yeah. It's funny. I put sideshows as my standout because it's both injuries and all the antics and the suspensions and the, all that stuff. That's a good one. I put, uh, I put 
Jalen Bruns him uh, as my standout, but it feels like that's kind of what's left <laughs> after the fact that like people who were just flamethrowing have been injured or it's, you know, it's, it's like, well, you know, there's these huge things. All right. Who's left? <laughs> like that's playing well. I think that's Jalen Brunson. Yeah. The Knicks absolutely pantsed the Cavs in Madison. Yeah. We will, we'll come back to that one. It is a, it is an absolute bummer when the injuries happen. Because we all want to see what teams can do at full strength. And obviously, losing these guys can affect the outcome. And like last year, we don't know how that series between the Celtics and the Bucks would have gone if Chris Middleton had been healthy. Bucks fans specifically still uh, cling to that. If they play most of these playoffs, especially any series against like Boston again or the Sixers in, in the Eastern Conference Finals or something, without Giannis at full strength, we're just never know. Like we'll never know how good Giannis could have been. Could he have won the championship last year? Could he win it this year? Uh, the Bucks definitely seem good enough, but if he's hurt, you know, there go their chances. So it rewrites history to have these major injuries. And the Clippers fans, that you know, the twelve of them, um, they will always like have this in their mind of like what could have been with this team if we didn't have the two most like injury prone superstars in the league playing for us you know it's funny that bucks bucks fans bring up last year because uh two years ago i i would argue that they only beat the nets because Kyrie went down and james harden was playing on one leg so it goes both it goes both ways it's just kind of how it goes right like it's it's very unfortunate but um let's move on to so our next category is most surprising storyline Chase, since you have to hop off in a minute, let's go over to you. What did you have as your most surprising storyline? It's a tie for me for this one. I would say the fact that the Heat won a game versus the Bucks. Like, wow, they got one in, you know? Like, the fact that they won something or the fact that the Cavs just did not show up, you know, with the, what would they end with, like, 77 points? Or did they even get to 80? It was like I don't think so. It was terrible. Like that's one of terrible. that's one of those head scratchers where like obviously they all look terrible on the bench. You know, there's there were clips of Don going viral of like trying to get his guys pumped up. And you know, Don's like a pretty like positive guy. Like he gets into it, right? But like he's kind of seen as this positive guy. I can only imagine what that locker room was like. Like what just that was like one of those what just happened moments where like out of the gate at least like that night everyone went home and had no idea what happened like that's how bad that was that was pretty surprising concerning the season they've had that, that's actually what i had for my uh, most surprising storyline i think we all came into uh the playoffs and we talked about it on our last pod how we thought the Cavs were really strong you know just a little bit below that top tier in the eastern conference um and then some of us came out and said you know the knicks would co- might come out and punch him in the teeth in the first two games and then take one at home in Madison Square. And that's what's happened. Because the problem for the Cavs offensively is that they're super, super streaky. And when they get bogged down on offense or when Mitchell and or Garland are not hitting their outside shots, that offense really struggles. And they don't have very many places to go outside of those two guys to create offense. So they need to turn around. I think they will, but I think the series is going seven now, not six, like I predicted last week. Yeah, I mean, some real crow on my Cavs and five pick. Um, I I didn't ex- I didn't expect Julius to kind of come back and be 
pretty close to just him right away. Um, and I also didn't, I just really underestimated Brunson's ability to just keep churning out good shots, possession after possession after possession, and also the Cavs' inability to get an offensive re- or a defensive rebound, especially in game one. Uh, it was insane. So good for the Knicks. Very tipsy of them. Brunson's cooking. She's shooting 49%, 24, 3, and 6 in this series so far. Love it. You'd love to see it. All right, let's move on to our, our next category. I'm going to kick it over to Jason for our least surprising storyline of the playoffs thus far. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, okay. Uh, I'm glad they got, I got picked for this one. The least surprising storyline for me is the Clippers getting hurt. <laughs> there it is. I mean, at some point, like, you know, we just have to kind of call a spade a spade and say that they've played, you know, one healthy season with both of their superstars all through the playoffs. That one went extremely badly. Every other season, at least one of them's been hurt or out because of uh, COVID protocols like last year. And, you know, it's really ruined um, uh, what could have been a really great series um, between the Suns and the Clippers to not have Kawhi. And I mean, we knew PG was going to be out, but not have Kawhi. Uh, it, it, that series is, you know, probably going to end earlier than expected. And, and even though it has been a, um, surprisingly competitive, uh, because I think that's because the Suns have been underachieving and because uh, never underestimate the power of spite. I think I said that in one of our first podcasts. Um, uh, Russell Westbrook playing with the, the power of spite right now. Uh, and But yeah, um, at least I'm not surprised at all. This is just who the Clippers are. The Clippers curse lives on, baby. Yes. It's, it, it feels like a real thing. It really does. Like every time, uh, this Kawhi thing is just like, what What happened? I, did he get injured in the game? Because I don't remember seeing anything. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was getting, you know, notifications on my phone. Like, oh, Kawhi's not playing game three. I'm like, what? I, I honestly, I at first thought... Something happened. Maybe he tweaked something, and he's just thinking, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest game three, knowing that I'll be back for game four. Even if we're down two one, I can bring us back to two two. But then he doesn't play game four, and now it doesn't seem like he's coming back. Period. Um, they're toast, man. It's over. Uh, the Suns, meanwhile, their starters are gonna play nine thousand minutes before the end of the series is over. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, KD, Booker, CP, the minutes are putting Good on those thing guys. Is KD is somewhat fresh, only playing 47 or 48 games this year. Because that bench unit is really bad. Like, really bad. I never thought I'd say Stinky. how necessary and valuable Cameron Payne is. <laughs> Just having guys like that coming off your bench makes a huge difference and not having him having to rely on the actually Monty's not even relying on some of the guys they have like the veterans Terrence Ross TJ Warren those guys are out of the rotation so it's kind of they they got nothing off that bench I mean not if even you, bubble TJ if you look at the last few years like I mean just the the drain of especially wings who were huge parts of the rotation Jay Crowder uh Bridges Cam jo- uh, Cam Johnson and then obviously Cameron Payne um these are guys who were a huge part of their rotation and were just solid, reliable, just showed up and did their jobs. And I think, you know, I think we expressed some concern about the KD trade when it came to the depth, but um, it's been a bigger problem than I think than we thought, I think. The, the crazy thing is, as I watch the Suns, I'm like, this doesn't, this just doesn't look very good. The offense looks kind of slow, they look kind of stagnant. 
But then I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast, and he's like, that starting five, when they play together, they have an offensive rating of 120, which would be best in the league for the regular season. And this is the playoffs, so scoring is harder. And they're like plus 23 together over, but this was over the first three games. And also, as we know, they're like 10 and one since they, when they've all played together. Uh, so it's, they're, they're good. Can you imagine how good they would be if they actually figured out how to play together and Kevin Durant didn't just stand in the corner as money Williams called him a decoy, you know, but also Devin Booker looks like the best player in the series, which is crazy to me when you have Kevin Durant on the court. I, I actually am going to take a like low key secret victory lap. Cause I like really wanted to give Devin Booker uh, an MVP vote. Um, uh, cause when he, when he played, they were great. He was another one I considered for be, that third uh, team, all NBA with Steph. He's just in that same bucket of incredible season, but played so few games. He might be the MVP of the playoffs so far. I don't know who else you guys would have on your sort of top five. I think you got to give Jimmy a look. Um, but the other series, I don't know. I, I, my, so one of the things that I have for my least surprising, just real quick, and then we can get to our, our last category, but, um, Least surprising for me, when their backs are against the wall, Golden State shows up, and specifically Steph shows up. He just does this over and over and over again. Comes out, shoots the light out, shoots the lights out, scores thirty six points without Draymond, who you know I think a lot of people would say is kind of the heart and soul of the team. Very interested to see how they come out today. Um, I hope they're not slowly piecing this together, but uh, I'm I'm scared that that might be the case or they're just great at home and they suck on the road which has been the case the entire season that's funny my least surprising which for some people might actually be the most surprising <laughs> is that oh hey the kings actually suck on the road look at that what they've shown us the entire year that's exactly who they are and then they're great at home <laughs> but the kings are the warriors sorry did i say kings, you said the, you I, said meant the to, kings I meant to say the warriors, the warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay so this is another series i think is is going to go seven uh, I previously had the Warriors in six, but I think I said that if it goes seven, I might switch to the Kings. And I think it's going to go seven. And I think the Warriors are going to have a hard time winning on the road because they're just, they're terrible on the road, man. I will say they were good enough on the road to win game one. And they might have been good enough uh, to win game two had all of the uh, the antics not gone down. I think they, it was like a five point game when Draymond got thrown out. So. That that's actually that's tough though because it means that they were close to the that road win that they needed twice and they didn't get it. So um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, they definitely but, have yeah. like the playoff medal that they need, which the Kings totally. do not have, and they have an all-time great player who's still just as great as he always has been. So yeah, Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe also brought up that we haven't had a clay game yet which terrifies me because if they're, Ooh. let's say they go, if it's tied two two, or even they go down three, one, they go back to Sacramento. I just will have flashbacks of <laughs> OKC 2016, 2017, 2016, 2016, 2016. Yeah. Play just ripping my heart out of my chest and showing it's it. Crazy to how long ago that was, eating, man. That feels like died. yesterday. There were a, seven years ago. There were three three-one leads blown that year by uh, by the the Cleveland Indians, the uh, Warriors, and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> and Hillary Clinton. That's incredible. I was not expecting that. 
All right, I can I gotta go, but let me can I kick off the uh the uh most disappointing? Most disappointing, Chase, let's hear it. Uh I put well, okay, brain fart. Jaw was injured at the beginning of this Lakers Memphis series, right? He sat out. Game two. He just missed Second game. game. He was out yeah. game two. Just game two? Yeah. Okay. So there's some context there. My uh I can't, I can't remember if it was both games or just one of the games. Um I would say Memphis actually might be my most disappointing just because I've expected them to put up a a little bit more of a fight. Uh, The numbers show that in this series, LA is playing quite a bit better defense. Um, uh, LA is is stealing the ball more. They are... uh, They're blocking the ball quite a bit more than Memphis is, uh, even though we saw Jaw go absolutely nuclear in the fourth quarter on his own, uh, you know, to kind of to make the game competitive there at the end. Uh, I just I think I expected Memphis to really come out of the gate and just be angry, angry bulls coming after a matador and uh i don't know it hasn't it felt like they haven't really like arrived and showed up obviously they've, they've got a game on the lakers so far it's it's uh two one lakers but um i don't know I, I felt like this was gonna be there like hey we're here we're arrived we're you know we're not gonna mess with anyone and and the lakers have i mean credit to the lakers though right this isn't just the grizzlies not showing up lakers have played defense uh but uh you, uh you know it's pretty much you know, pretty similar across the board in, in most other categories, except for the defensive stats. And Memphis hasn't been playing defense as much as the Lakers have. Yeah, I still like... Uh, go ahead. I still stand by what I said uh, last week. If they had Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, but especially Adams, I think this series... Yeah, massive asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Steven Adams not being there is a big part of that. I think things would be very different. Um, he's such a big part of what they do both offensively and especially on defense uh able to just get a rebound and to be a be a rim protector yeah i uh i will say i think this is the most interesting series on the court so far um uh, because there have been these kind of big swings very long periods of really competitive uh basketball but uh uh and then you know i i think they're it's just some very interesting roster moves being made. Um, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see if Dylan Brooks plays game four um, and if he's available to play if Jenkins starts him. Because a lot of Grizzlies Twitter people who I've followed just to kind of keep up with the series, they want Kennard to be in the in the starting lineup. And they have been better with Kennard's shooting out there than with Brooks's um, uh, tricking y'all level of defense, I think. Uh, on LeBron James, big big Pat Bev, yeah. So it's I I think this is the most competitive series and the one that's going to swing back and forth the most. Um, uh, Kings Warriors obviously is is that way too, but the Lakers Grizzlies just doesn't have that same obvious home road thing going on. Um, even though the Lakers home crowd was incredible last night, the Lakers home crowd really was. I was I didn't watch the game live, but I watched it on replay. I couldn't believe how loud that place was. It was unbelievable. And this is definitely the series years, that we sort of foresaw as being like a real uh, heavyweight fight. Uh, I, I think I predicted, I think we all kind of predicted it to go six or seven. So it's not that surprising. So plenty of games. Yeah. Left. And it's, it's playing out exactly yeah. kind of how we predicted. Jason, what did you have as your most disappointing storyline of the playoffs up to this point? <laughs> um, 
Well, actually, it kind of, and unfortunately, just is, is directly connected to least surprising, which is just the Suns just not being um, playing like the elite team that we were kind of hoping to see. Um, and just that series in general not being competitive because those two teams at full bore, I mean, that's an absolute bloodbath. Um, but we, it's just been a lot of sloppy ball, a lot of bad basketball, a lot of slow basketball, um, a lot of like Chris Paul at the end of games chucking up prayers um, uh, that just end up going in. But yeah, I, I, just that series not being great and the Suns not looking like a, like a contender contender so far. That's what I've been most disappointed about. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not really, I'm still not sure who to like push my chips in on in the Western Conference. Like there hasn't been one team where I know that the Nuggets are up 3-0 on the Timberwolves, but you could make a case that that's more about the Timberwolves kind of falling apart in some of these games than the Nuggets looking amazing. Um, the T-Wolves absolutely should have won game two. They they blew it and they had opportunities in game three. Game one was a blowout, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you could, you could convince me that any team that's left uh right now that's that isn't down like the timberwolves obviously are, are off the board i would say the clippers just because of health are probably off the board but you could convince me that any other team could make it out of the west and i would believe you i totally agree uh i think everyone's looking forward to the nuggets for Suns series it's like the real test of like who the nuggets are because the the suns obviously have more talent uh, but they haven't played together they don't have the chemistry and the depth not that the nuggets have great depth either but uh, the Nuggets have looked pretty good, especially I think what sort of uh, bolsters their chances is Jamal Murray's playing like we saw him play a few years ago in the bubble. Um, in uh, game three, he, he was pretty good. He was like 18 and nine and six, I think. Uh, but in the first two games, he was averaging like 32 on 50, 50, 90. Like, that's crazy. So if, he, if he's back to being that kind of guy and giving us sort of a second star, at least in the playoffs to, to Jokic, they have a chance uh, to beat the Suns. And if they beat the Suns, I might feel more confident going forward. I should probably have said the T-Wolves is my most disappointing since I very optimistically uh, picked that to be a seven-game series. <laughs> Look, they're my brother's favorite team. You know, Lakers are, <laughs> are from they? Minnesota. Oh, because he lived in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Um, I liked the vibes, but uh, no, no. They've, they've been dis- disappointing <laughs> for me, but honestly expected probably for anyone who is actually uh, not biased about that series yeah their whole season has been they're, they're gonna have a case for a mud pie team of the year i think uh, a pretty big case actually a pretty stinky sloppy case well speaking of uh of mud pies let's go ahead and wrap this up with uh with zach's mud pie moment of the week zach what do you have for us so in a week uh, kind of full of mud pies uh, you know i had to return to my old uh trusty all mud pie team uh these guys their consistency and taking too small of a slice is uh, it's admirable you know these guys will slop up the steaks <laughs> anytime and of course i'm referring to the three embodiment two three not the three there's a couple more but two three embodiments of nba mud pies uh james harden dylan brooks and draymond green and their prodigious use of cheap shots so uh, i'll start with harden and I'll caveat here that uh, my bias against Harden makes me think he did it intentionally. But I recognize that, like, his, like, leaning with his shoulder is one of his consistent moves. And then he pushes off with that left hand to sort of create space. 
So it's hard to tell if the shot at Royce O'Neal's giblets was intentional or flagrant too worthy, but still, he did it. And in the postgame, he said he didn't, and it shouldn't have even been a foul. My response to him is, a mud pie for you, sir. <laughs> Moving on, we got Mr. Dylan Brooks. So it was like near mud pie worthy just for him to disrespect the second greatest player of all time by saying he would only respect a guy who puts up 40 on him. But for him to like put the fire in the Lakers uh, in what was already looking to be a tough fought series, and then and then because he's getting it just taken to him by AD and LBJ at the beginning of the game, he gets so frustrated that he takes it out on the gym and his two twins. Like, that's a mud pie. Uh, and now his team's <laughs> in a 2-1 hole. And, and honestly, I put that at least partially on him. Like, John Morant looked great in that game, but the Lakers came out with a fire, and it was all because of Dylan Brooks, I think. Uh, and then uh, lastly, I have to, to herald the return of his mud pieness um, for a couple years. Even last year when they were kind of winning, you know, I cooled a little bit on my Draymond distaste, you know, just to a degree. I still didn't love like his flexing and yelling last year in the finals uh, when he really wasn't that super impressive. Uh, but some of the cheap shots and things that he'd done before had gone away. And I kind of grew over the last couple of years to appreciate his media personality and his analytic chops. But as they say, you can give a man a gift receipt, but you can't stop him from giving it back to you with mud pie on it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care that Sabonis grabbed his ankle. That stomp and then push off little jump he did was a fully intentional cheap shot at the King's best player. And Jason, you probably love this second part, but egging on the fans after a cheap shot for me just made it worse. Uh, no contrition at all. I didn't expect it from, from Draymond, but still. And worse, he went and got suspended for his team. So, like, whether that's the right call or not from the NBA, will this guy ever learn? It's time for Golden State to bring in Sam Richardson and say, get him out of here. Have fun in Detroit, Dre. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I do have one uh, honorable mention. He is not in this category, so I'm not giving him a mud pie. But Embiid's kick to Claxton he was definitely trying to kick him where the sun don't shine. And uh, even though like he was provoked and the retaliation to some degree was warranted, like get up and shove him, get in his face, whatever you have to do. You don't, you don't kick a guy for one and you don't kick him down there. Like Embiid is one of those guys who I haven't, I didn't love him back in the day. He was immature and he did stuff like this. And over the years he's matured. And this year, for me, he'd like really turned a corner. So to see him in this series, like get frustrated with the poor play and the constant double teams. And then Nick Claxton trying to mean mug him and stuff and reverting to some of that. He's not a mud pie, but just a little turd, you know, like don't, don't do it. Embiid. <laughs> don't do it. Don't join these other guys. And to those other guys, I share the wise words of the goat himself. Stop it. Get help. You get my mud pies for this week. <laughs> well done. I think one of the more poetic mud pies we've had for sure. Just the I had a lot of thoughts about about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> about all the stuff that's been going on, the shenanigans this this last week. 
Yeah, I weirdly like the egging on the fans by Draymond. That actually didn't work for me because it didn't feel competitive. It felt like thirsty. Like Draymond and Dylan Brooks this week just acting thirsty out here um, for attention apart from their play. It just, just didn't work for me this time. Sorry, Draymond. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great all around. I mean, I, I'm with you, Zach. I actually thought Draymond, for the, for the most part this year, has been um, definitely way more sort of even-tempered than he's been in past years. And I think, you know, if you're a Warriors fan, you you love his sort of, like, fiery spirit because you he's also playing with guys like Steph and Clay that I don't think are... That doesn't come naturally to them, right? They're not sort of natural-born killers um, from a personality standpoint. But to see him do that with the crowd and then afterwards basically deny that there was any intent. And I know that's what you have to do, right? Like deny that there was any intention around it whatsoever. But then also say like, oh, I was suspended. I was suspended because of something I did seven years ago. And it's like, bro, you have done so much stuff in the last seven years that you've gotten away with. I, you can make the case that he gets away with murder basically every single game. He has this weird relationship with the refs where he's allowed to get away with stuff that other guys are not. Totally. And it finally caught up to him. I don't know if I agree with the suspension, but based on what we've seen over the last seven years, I think you could easily make a case that it was the right thing to do. And we'll see if it changes anything for, for game. Yeah. Speaking of like today. suspensions and flagrants, like I, I thought about making my mud pie initially, like the refing and like the, the unequal way that these things are distributed. Yeah. Like Harden's was, I mean, he hit him somewhere but maybe not intentionally that's a flagrant one you don't kick him out for that unless you know that there's intent and like how in the world does he get thrown out but mb doesn't get thrown out when he's like intentionally kicking a guy probably trying to kick him there but because he doesn't make contact with that specific part of the body he just gets a flagrant one like i don't it just doesn't make sense to me i do think the bar should be higher in the playoffs for suspensions though i i I agree with that, and and I'll add that Sabonis 100% should have got a, a a transition take foul instead of a T for what he did to yeah. to to Draymond. Yeah, agreed, and that actually potentially swings the game because a technical foul doesn't count as a personal, but a transition take foul does, mm. and it would have that would have been his fifth foul with about seven minutes left in the game, and he didn't get his fifth foul until like two minutes left instead. Just saying, that's that's a big miss. And especially with the amount of time they had to look at it, like, just make the right call. Come on. Yeah. Totally. One more su- one more suggestion for playoff uh, 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 pods going forward is one a segment called Jason's Lakers-Celtics Finals Anxiety Watch. Um, because <laughs> as cool as it would be, I do not want it. I don't think I can handle it. Dude. And it went from zero. It would it be from so zero to good, two though. This week. It would be the best outcome two. for this finals because I just don't think the West is going to stand up to the East at all. Yeah. And if yeah. the honest is already going to play hobbled yeah. and you have to deal with Harden and stuff with the Sixers, I'd rather have the Celtics, Lakers, give everybody what they want. I was at zero. I didn't think it was realistic coming into the playoffs and now I'm at a two and, and I'm starting to just feel a little bit of tightness in the climbing. tightness in the chest about it. We'll be here for you, Jay. Don't worry. We're here for moral support. We'll give you virtual hugs. Well, I think we can wrap up there. Thanks, boys, for uh, for the great takes. And we'll uh, we'll get at it again next week. Joel MVP. The bat. The bat. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Peace, yo. See you guys. All right, guys. Take it easy.